Welcome back, everyone, to another market update. What has been going on with the Bay Area real estate market? What has been going on with the markets in general? We're going to be covering several different topics today, including Dow tumbles 1,200 points this week for worst day since June 2020 after a hot inflation report. We're going to go over that, including my thoughts. We're going to talk a little bit about Bay Area shrinkflation. What does that actually mean? And how does that impact yourself and what can you expect? People are going back to the office, except in the Bay Area. We've been seeing this for a while now, so this is not unusual. A couple of big fundraising events, which is great for those that are potentially looking for new roles and new jobs and some potential construction that will be happening in the Bay Area. Now, I just personally got back from my Seattle trip. I was in Seattle this week. Very, very interesting. Now, I'm going to be doing a video over the next couple of weeks about Seattle versus Bay Area in terms of the market, in terms of opportunities. We all know about the climate difference, but there's a lot of very interesting similarities, and they're very tied together, right? If a lot of people that are working at Microsoft and Amazon, they may come up with a great uh, opportunity here in the Bay Area and vice versa. And make no mistake, all these other companies and the big tech companies have been expanding there along with expanding here. So it's a very interesting um, partner city. And their real estate has gone through a similar thing that we have gone through. They are fairly landlocked themselves with how many lakes that they have. So I'm going to be doing a comparison for those that are thinking about Seattle, but also just the opportunities for individuals there. But uh, so if you have any interest in that, leave in the comments below with what you think. Have you lived in Seattle? Have you considered going to Seattle? Leave in the comments below because I'd love to get your input because that will dictate how quickly I work on that next video. But let's take a look at the data of the week and what is going on. Dow tumbles 1,200 points for worst day since June 2020 after a hot inflation report. The thing that we are realizing is even though the Fed continues to increase rates and continues to have plans to increase rates, a lot of this is not issues or inflation on the demand side. Inflation could be on two different segments. It's either the demand side, which is it's too hot. Actually, there's too much money out there, which is People, people have thought of, and it is part of the reason, but right now we are continuing to experience that the numbers are actually on the supply side. And with all the supply chain constraints, with all the different activities that are happening geopolitically across the world, those are significantly more difficult for us as a country to be able to, to do. All the plans about like doing semiconductors and all these things, these aren't going to happen for several years. And that's assuming that everything goes according to plan. And for the most part, as we've seen, things don't usually go uh, on schedule too often. And because of this, this is going to be a very challenging way to get out of what we are dealing with, which is very high inflation. We're not the only ones. Some places, uh, especially more in like third world countries, have terrible inflation, right? Because a lot of them are even more tied to very specific industries, including like energy and food. Right. Those areas don't produce anything. So they're being absolutely just um, it's just been very, very difficult and been very, very bad for those economies. And you may know a lot of them and 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 uh, and it's been very, very painful to see. But for here in the U.S., we continue to see this as as headwinds ahead of uh, headwinds. We see places like in China and, and in Russia when it comes to energy, when it comes to China, so doing lockdowns. And so these are cascading impacts. So. Because of this, then the market took a big tumble. And the question ultimately is, when will the supply chain continue to be flowing back? When can we see some alleviation? When can the war potentially be over? 
Like these are all questions that are unknown and hence why we have some uncertainty in the market and we'll likely have to have continuous pressures to increase uh, interest rates to be able to still do what we can on the demand side to slow this down. So it'll be interesting to see as the months and the weeks play on if this, these numbers get better because this is the challenge that is happening right now. 8.3% print as of the last one. And most of it is in the core inflation side of things. So not energy related anymore. It's these other aspects, especially when it comes to food. So that is something to be mindful as we continue to track this week by week of how this actually progresses. Next, let's talk about this. Bay Area, Bay Area briefing, shrinkflation in the Bay Area's housing market. What does that mean? It ultimately means it's just more money for less housing for actually less this, from a space perspective. And that's actually what I find very interesting from the Bay Area versus Seattle. Seattle actually isn't that much cheaper than the Bay Area. The difference, though, that I've noticed, especially let's just talk about if you were ever working in Seattle, let's say you were working in near Amazon or on the downtown, or you're working in Bellevue, Redmond for Microsoft. Let's talk about the core area and let's talk about our core area. Let's talk about like uh, around Sunnyvale, Mountain View, Cupertino area. The prices aren't that cheap there either. You're easily going to go, let's say, one and a half to two and a half very easily. And you're fairly similar distance to what we have here. The main difference that I've already noticed, though, is two things. Is even though the prices aren't that different, the houses there are going to be bigger, right? So the price per square foot is much less than what is in the Bay Area, even though the the, the dollar amount is fairly a lot more comparable than you may think. So that's number one. And the number two, the difference is the housing is newer there. So there's newer homes. And so uh, you just have things that are maybe more modern. Um, they actually have a decent lots because they're like newer-ish communities. So they were able to do that uh, a few decades ago. So I find those kind of fairly interesting for those that are comparing one market to the other. But that is going to continue to happen, right? Because at the end of the day, the value of the home is still a proximity to work. And it's still on the value of the land. They don't mention here of how much land that these houses may have. The land is actually fairly of a decent size. And as we see it more and more of the need to create different zoning, the opportunity to do more within a specific lot, we're going to see these different things continue to play out, which is the dollar per square foot will continue to rise because the value of that land is significantly more than it was five years ago. Because of all those additional things now that you can do, right? Think about how we have progressed through the wave and through the year. First, you started with like in-law units. That got a lot easier to do, right? In-law units, ADUs, a lot more easier to do, a lot easier to do. This year, zoning differences allows opportunities to do create duplexes, multifamily on different lot sizes. Also, this year, subdividing of lots. That's a huge opportunity now for those that have decent lot sizes. So as you can imagine. The house didn't change itself. They're not going to do anything with the house just yet. But the value of what it is now worth because of all those opportunities that you can now do is now very different. So that is the game. And that is why you will continue to see these different things play out. And so very important to be mindful of the value is, is continues to be on the land itself. So for those that have the opportunity to buy homes, especially with a lot, this is a great opportunity to do so. A lot of people were fighting over these in the last six months. But now if you were an investor or you're a long-term investor and or you have extra liquidity that you just didn't know what to do with, that is a very, very interesting play right now that I would suggest people to 
strongly look into, uh, especially if their their time horizon is over, over a couple of years and they want to get real value add. So those are my uh, options, but they're not cheap, right? These are these are the play for more premium uh, homes, two million plus, three million plus. But there's a very viable strategy when it comes to investing in those kind of assets right now because that land is still very underutilized. Next, people are going back to the office, except in the Bay Area. We haven't been seeing this across for the last two years now, right? Uh, this is nothing new. And this is actually one of the things when I was in Seattle and when I go to the other places, I travel still across the country. Next week, I'm going to Salt Lake City. The fact is most areas have actually had worse traffic than ever before, right? Because you had one, people able to work further out. You also had two, a lot of people also potentially have moved into those cities. And so traffic has been an absolute nightmare. People don't want to say that or share that, but that's the truth. Now, the Bay Area, there's good and bad, right? I was just in San Francisco yesterday for a happy hour. Still pretty lively, but the shift of events is also different, right? I was at Sens at Embarcadero. Some of you, some of you I may have met. And a great venue, very large venue. And what's interesting is because people have more flexibility at work, people are going to the office five days a week. And so the happy hours on Fridays are also different. They're not because they're not even going into the office on Fridays. Right. So they the restaurants themselves have to adjust accordingly. And so their busier days is like Thursday nights. So people go to the office Thursdays. That's not uncommon, especially with some mandatory return to office. And then they hang out after and then they leave. But it's no longer the Friday happy hours. Right. So it's really interesting to hear and see that you may not have realized that, but that is happening, too. But with this, San Francisco itself has not done well. Right. San Francisco has been in a lot of pain. It's been very difficult for themselves to be able to handle this. There's so much vacancy in the office space, and it's not getting any better. There's no reasons for it to get any better. And so they have their own challenges they got to deal with of why would people want to be back in this office, especially with what it's, it, they're asking for in terms of charging for rents. Like That's the problem, right? When you actually look at supply and demand, there's actually this counter argument side of it, which is a, a very dangerous thing. On one end, the investors of those buildings have an expectation of what the returns are. And so you have two options if you're a landlord. One, you either reduce rents, and so you try to gain people. But if there's barely any people and the people are looking and you're trying to maximize the returns, it's counterintuitive, but there's many econ classes about it, is they're actually not even reducing rent by a whole lot. You would imagine if you're at 30% vacancy, that uh, and is probably worse than that with all the subleases that you may be just drastically dropping rents to be able to attract people. But the fact is, it's not that happening like that. They're actually keeping it fairly similar, if not just barely lower. And so you have this kind of interesting situation of like, who's going to be the first to want to reduce and, and make these adjustments when nobody even wants to be in the market? Very, very tricky. It's not an easy solution for anybody, to be fair. But that's something that we're experiencing. That being said, it also depends on the area. You have seen recently with the return to office of Apple, my guess is that all the other big tech companies are going to be following suit fairly soon because they want people to be more productive. They want to be keeping an eye on people. They want people to stop working three jobs and milking these companies. They know what's going on. And if you don't come back, they'll just lay you off. This is the game that they're going to be playing. So don't be surprised that you're going to have a lot more return to office happening very, very soon for all the big tech companies especially as employment gets tighter. And for those that um, kind of want to be relaxing and, and, and chilling at home, 
uh, you can't make the excuse either because traffic is just a whole lot less than before. So that's what you might be expecting soon, especially in the South Bay and the Silicon Valley uh, marketplaces. Because what else has been going on in South Bay? Let's go over this one first. Tech Titan reaches sublease deal for a big chunk of San Jose offices. Sublease deal will represent a big win for San Jose. What happened? Well, there are many companies still growing very quickly. What is that company? ByteDance. Who is ByteDance? The creators and makers of TikTok. TikTok has been just dominating. You can see it happening across everything. YouTube, YouTube had to adjust very, very big. As you can see with watching this on YouTube, YouTube shorts. You see with Instagram reels, they have to do what they can to compete to stop the bleeding of users because TikTok has been dominating. And because of that, TikTok is growing very rapidly all over, right? I mean, how much opportunities do you think they have for being the dominant social media player? I mean, think about how big Facebook is. They have tens of thousands of employees. And because a lot of the tech talent is in the Bay Area, ByteDance will continue to grow here, especially in the core area. But where do they grow? Look at this yourself. Where do they grow? Do they grow in San Francisco? The answer is no. They sublease a huge amount of space, 658,000 square feet, basically two buildings of who were there previously. Um, it was a combination of Verizon, I think combination of Yahoo. Verizon and Yahoo have been subleasing their space and they've been fully remote for some time. So that's been what has been occurring. So they, they actually took over these two buildings. And this is in North San Jose off of Coleman, which is fairly close to um, uh, the Avaya Stadium for when it comes to soccer. So pretty close to the airport in that, that region. So see where they're expanding. Why are they expanding there still? Why did they just do a sublease of this kind of space? 658,000 square feet is a lot of space. That will probably be probably a couple thousand in employees is likely to be in this place. And for ByteDance, who do you think is going to be hiring in this area? It's going to be engineers. That's what that's who they're bringing up people in in this location. So something to be very mindful of if you're looking for a job, looking for opportunities. Um, ByteDance, TikTok have continued to do extremely well. So that's... Um, those are some things just to keep in mind. Next. Actually, I didn't even look at this one. Let's see what the age of this. I just saw this right now. This is a new one before I stopped. Oh, I'll, I'll include this too because this happens all the time, right? Apple deep in Silicon Valley presence with Sunnyvale real estate deal. This just got published on the 15th. I didn't even look up the, or actually on the 16th. So as you can see, they continue to do this over and over again. Why does Apple, Google, Meta, all these companies continue to do this? They just paid $46 million to purchase an office building and they're not stopping anytime soon. So this is a pretty small deal to be fair. Um, it's only 50, 58,000 square feet. So it's pretty small, but they're going to continue to gobble it up. So people that are living in Sunnyvale, this is my, one of my favorite cities in the Tar Bay area for this reason. They're just going to continue to gobble it up over and over again. Anyone that has an opportunity to sell, they're going to gobble up because these companies do not want to be encroached by the other players. And as tech continues to get bigger and bigger, they're still doing this. Do you think Apple is going to allow you flexibility when they just bought more buildings now? Answer that question for yourself. These are not pre-COVID deals. These are current deals as of a day ago. And this is going to continue to happen over and over again. They're going to keep building. They're going to keep expanding. They're going to keep expanding the same areas. They're not going to the East Bay. They're still buying the most expensive places in the Bay Area for this reason. So 
those are very insightful for you guys to all understand but this is all happening still next for those looking for also employment terawatt one billion dollar round among bay area's largest this year congratulations to san francisco based startup terawatt they'll ultimately be building out more charging infrastructure so really interesting move and play so for those that are looking for opportunities and are looking for jobs kind of follow the money follow the news where what is happening because as they raise this kind of money they certainly need a lot more uh people to spend that money and to also grow so look into that see if that's of interest see if that's of interest to yourself next we're going to wrap things up with some more development because things are still happening right so here is actually a very interesting project that you all need to be mindful of which is called Santana Row area. So look into the city plans of Santana Row. Santana Row, as many of you may have already known or seen, is a, is a fantastic higher-end place in terms of mall, in terms of shopping, in terms of just lifestyle. It's not like crazy expensive, but it's very nice. You see all the things happening in Valley Fair. Right. You saw the new Italy that has been opened up that has been extremely busy. You continue to see new restaurants continue to pop up. But what you may not know is that there's a lot of space around that area that have already been rezoned. The question, though, is ultimately, will any developers make a deal and will any of the landlords that own that space be willing to do the deal, too? Right. And so there's been hotels proposed for a long time now. Hundred rooms is a very common. There's a one. This is a actually a building. So that's been happening. There's also like the gas station that you saw near that, that is nearby. Uh, that's also, I think, an opportunity. But you can see where is this? This is just right across from Magianos. For those that are familiar, Magianos, Fogo de Chao. It's just right across from us. So it's not very far in terms of like where this can be built. It's not a big use of it's not a big like lot either. But they can build up, they can build a potential 180 rooms, six or seven levels. So you're going to see a lot of these developments happening around Centena Row. So if you're an investor or you know anyone that wants to be an investor, my, I, I would bet, too, of buying homes around these areas. So there's two areas there. Let me just pull it up. I'm just doing real time because I'm getting very uh, fascinated about this. Just so you know, like where I would be pretty bullish depending on your work situation, depending on budgets, but depending also if you are an investor, right? So let's take a look on the map. So here's Santana Row, right? So Santana Row, you got Valley Fair. This whole area is, this whole like places around here is uh, re, is getting, re, is, has been rezoned already. The question is who's going to be the developer, who's going to do it, which makes sense. That's a completely different matter. But if Santana Row is a big bet and you want to be close to it, and it's it's obviously a, a fantastic location for shopping and, and at nightlife and activities, then the bet would be to try to be in areas around it. And, and what's interesting is this is actually on the border of two different cities, and you may not have known that. You can see Santana Rose in San Jose. Let me just show you something. Valley Fair is in da -da -da -da, what, what city? It's in Santa Clara. What does that mean? This is actually the border of the two. So if we just put in like San Jose... You can see it's literally on the border of two. Let me see if this actually shows up with so the city. Yeah, so you can see, um, you can see the lines, right? So Santana Row and Valley Fair are actually on two on the border of two different cities. So you have two options. If you can afford a higher price point, I would say this is a very good, excellent location. 
I would, I would point a lot of investors there. If your price point, let's say is 1.5 to 2.5 million, this is a great location to be around. This is Santa Clara though. So you get the benefits of Santa Clara utilities and things like that. Now, if you have a little bit of a less budget, like maybe 100,000, 200,000 less, then this is the San Jose area. So San Jose area, these are all excellent places too. Walkable places too. All these great stores, all these great locations. I'm very, very bullish on this whole area there, especially with all the plans that are happening in Santana Row. Because those are quick tips. Share that with any of your investors. They're saying, hey, look, what should I be doing if I want to buy investment property and I want to take advantage of these discounts in the market? Even though there's discounts in the market, things are still moving. Like these deals are still happening, right? These projects are still going on whether you want it to or not. And so Santana Row will continue to change its landscape because it's one of the areas that is zoned to be that way. Now, keep in mind, though, as I mentioned, because the two are different, it's really only the Santana Row side that has been rezoned, right? Because this is part of San Jose. The Santa Clara side, I don't believe there's some developments happening, too, to be fair. But it's not the same as what's going on around Santana Row. So you want to look at your separate documents of what is going on in Santa Clara. I believe there are some apartments coming up on the west side of Westfield Valley Fair. It's probably at least a year, a year or a year and a half out. You may already seen some of the construction that's happening. But those are some some, some quick tips just to be mindful of. And the last but not least, uh, I personally invest in, in, in apartments. So if anyone also invests like in syndication apartments, I'd love to connect and learn about what you have thought about that asset class. So I'm always curious to see like what are the assets going for here in the Bay Area? given the price points and given these are class a in very different markets right so large apartment fremont complex asked nearly five hundred thousand per unit isn't that incredible the rents there are between three thousand to thirty four hundred so as you can imagine the cap rates on this is going to be at some of the lowest that you will find in the country especially when it comes to apartments and it'll be interesting to see if this actually sells it is priced very high so the likelihood of this selling is probably tough but if it does, then that'll be incredible. But take a look at this, right? It's not like this is the er, the um, the the highest price points. Then again, this is in the Fremont market. Take a look at some of these other deals that happened this year. Granted, it was this year, um, but some are pretty recent too. Earlier this month, Rockwood Capital paid six hundred sixty thousand per unit for a hundred unit Walnut Creek property, which was the prices per unit sale this year. In January. Uh, 484 unit Wood Creek apartments in Pleasant Hill for 628,000 per unit. Wow, right? I mean, absolutely incredible. This is Contra Costa County. This is not even, these are not even the prime Bay Area markets. Other East Bay deals fail to reach 500,000 per unit. There's a couple, 208 unit in Hayward. Hayward is not as nice as Fremont in terms of prices. Close for 345,000 per unit. Um, and then you have some Oakland ones, some Pleasant Hill ones, and these other ones. So, Interesting to see. This is on the market. So we'll see what happens with this. And uh, but it, it just shows like what the cap rates are. And quite frankly, if these other investors have bought this, it's not like these are dumb investors. These are huge firms with lots of money. It's just there are different asset classes in different markets for them to have the exposure. But the fact that they're paying this kind of amount per unit, right? Think about what you buy in Texas. And Texas is like 150 now, maybe 120,000 per unit. Something around that area, Midwest is like 70, 80,000 per unit, right? So very different games, very different cash flows, very different 
um, thought process when it comes to these deals. Well, hopefully you found this this market update valuable. Every Saturday morning at 10 a.m., I go over live what is going on with the market, what's going on in the Bay Area, what's going on in the economy, what's going on with just any sort of news that I find interesting. But of course, if you have any questions or comments, leave it in the comments below. Or if you're looking to buy, sell, or invest, and if this is the right time for you, call or text me at 408-547-4590. I'll see you in the next one. Bye now.